So our guest today, uh, the very patient and very lovely uh, Heather Matarazzo, is an award-winning veteran actor who broke out in Todd Solon's indie classic, Welcome to the Dollhouse, for which she earned an Independent Spirit Award for Best Debut Performance for her brilliant portrayal of Dawn Wiener. She starred as Lily Moskovitz in the Princess Diaries films and Martha Weeks in screen in the Scream film series uh, and has appeared in dozens of other films and TV shows, everything from E&R, E-R I don't know why I keep saying E-N-R, it's E-R, uh, and Law and & Order to The L Word and Grey's Anatomy and many, many more. Her recent work is uh, currently in post-production uh, called The Mattachine Family, where she stars opposite Emily Hampshire, uh, who played Stevie in the brilliant Schitt's Creek. She is Heather Matarazzo. Thank you for coming on, Heather. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being so patient with that brief technical hiccup. I appreciate it. Ah, uh, dude, of course. Things happen, man. Uh, so we don't normally have actors on. In fact, I think we've only had one. Uh, but we get a lot of requests, believe it or not, for to have an actor on the podcast. Mostly our audience is writers and filmmakers. Uh, and that's sort of what our podcast is geared for. But we get a lot of requests for actors for a couple reasons. One uh, is to get your perspective on it, because uh, the way an actor looks at a script is very different than a studio executive or a filmmaker or somebody else, Um, as well as everybody wants to attach an actor to their script, right? So knowing what you guys look for uh, is is important, I think, to a lot of uh, screenwriters. And in addition to that, I think you provided an incredible perspective because I know you've worked with, with newer writers uh, on storytelling and, and story development and things like that. So you were sort of the ideal candidate. I'm thrilled you said yes. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to have you. But before we jump into all of the writing chat, I just want to say yeah. two things. One, anyone in the chat who wants to drop a question for Heather, uh, we will ask them shortly, but we're going to get to some of the, the basic stuff first. The, the meat and potatoes, if you will. Um, and, and before we get into specific questions about writing and, and performance and acting and filmmaking and all that stuff, I wanted to ask you your background, because I think that's important, getting your perspective uh, on the industry, how you got your start, all that stuff, which obviously is the prism with which you view you know, uh, the industry and your career. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got started, how you got your big break, and, and what inspired you to want to to be in the industry? I mean, here's the here's the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, I I use the Morgan Freeman quote a lot because I feel it's it's succinct and it's it's appropriate. And the quote is, I don't know if acting chose me or I chose it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel that it was a, a bit of both. And I started working professionally when I was seven years old. Um, long story short, um, I I had originally been a dancer and excelled at it. And I was part of this dance company. And we were in the middle of a tech rehearsal for a benefit for children with AIDS. And mm. this was back when AIDS was finally being considered a disease that wasn't just affecting uh, gay men. And so it was a tech rehearsal. And I remember seeing the head of the dance company. She was this little tiny woman 
a 411 and her head was just in her hands and everyone was complaining. And I grabbed the microphone and I told everyone off. Wow. And I just said, we're doing this for a good cause. We're doing this for children with AIDS. And if you don't want to be here, go home. Um, Otherwise, let's buck up and do what we got to do. And there was a woman that they had hired to come out to perform from Manhattan. And she saw this little spunky seven-year-old and asked me if I wanted to be an actor. And then she uh, gave the name and number of of her manager to uh, my mother. And I don't know if the manager called my mom or if my mom called the manager, but I went in and I met with her and she had this poster on the wall of all of these different facial expressions and asked me to do them. And I did them and she signed me. And the first thing I went out for, I booked. And then I started, I started booking and booking and booking. And then I got Dollhouse when I was 11 and Obviously, that 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 opened up a lot of doors and and changed the trajectory of my life. Mm-hmm. But I but I didn't I didn't have any understanding of industry. Mm-hmm. Like right at that, that age. Yeah, that wasn't. I I never got into the business because I wanted to be famous. Mm-hmm. You know, I just gravitated to storytelling and and acting as as a a a duck takes to water Mm -hmm. it was it was it was the most natural the most natural thing for me that's pretty interesting and pretty amazing because uh, again most of our audience is they're they're writers right so that doesn't usually happen for writers when they start at such an early age. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a performer such as yourself, an actor coming in at such a young age, before you even realize it's a career, it's a job, it's, mm-hmm. you know, just some a passion that you have. Like my son used to collect bugs, right? That was his thing, right? So he thought he was going to be an entomologist. It's it's switched since then. But um, it's it's that kind of thing, right? You just, you just fell in love with it. So that's kind of, um, that's very special. Um, so... Is, was there anything growing up that you gravitated towards or that you, you found in terms of film or television or whatever that you took an special affinity to, like a, a, spe- a specific show or a film that really stood out to you that you remember being part of your uh, growth as an actor, as, a, as an artist, part of your desires? Like, I want to continue to do that. I mean, it, it really, like... I, Betty Davis was a beacon for me, Greta mm-hmm. Garbo, Marlena Dietrich, Judy Garland, um, uh, oh God, I'm a Thelma Ritter, uh, you know, Agnes Moorhead. Like I, I, I remember I would go to the library every weekend and, and I would get musicals and I would get films from the forties and and the fifties. And I, it's that question of the chicken or the egg, because I was adopted by people that uh, were part of the, I, I, I would say the late 
not baby boomers per se, uh, but more of the silent generation Mm -hmm. where they were born in the 30s. You know, my adopted dad was born in 1934 and my adopted mom was born in 1939. Wow. So I, I, I grew up with this influence um, of what they had grown up with, you know, to a certain degree, you know, but I, I, I really gravitated toward jazz and, and Nina Simone and Frank Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald and, you know, Duke Ellington and Count mm-hmm. Basie. So I, I had a very eclectic um, uh, catalog mm-hmm. with I could draw from and I wasn't allowed to watch TV growing up Hmm. so I it's not like I was sitting in front of the TV after school like I was allowed to watch one show one hour of TV a week wow what 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 did you pick for your one hour um I picked the Simpsons and uh when I got older and I was just a, a a young little budding lesbian uh it was xena warrior princess for okay. me good choices good choices um so, but you liked all the cool stuff before it was cool right that's that's kind of interesting i mean th- that's thing is is that idea of like cool versus not cool mm-hmm. you know, from my perspective i was like the nerdiest most uncool kid ever you know i was the kid who's parents were called when I was in pre-k because the only thing I would bring for show and tell would be vinyl records of musicals <laughs> and, you know? and did, you, did your teacher have a have a record player to play them for you yeah oh, and cool. they called my parents and were like we're sick of these musicals she needs to stop bringing them in <laughs> like so I had I had a proverbial like uh, I don't know if I want to say like self-made, but I had a proverbial target on my back from mm. the time I was a, a kid. I was a fucking weirdo. <laughs> you hear that from a, a number of actors, right? You know, that's how that they have that well of of emotion and history and, and, and experience to draw from for their performances. And I think that, you know, that a lot of the best actors, right, have have that that wealth of that ocean of, you know, history to draw from. So um, it's made you who you are. And I think that's that's fantastic that that, you know, you're able to harness it in hopefully a cathartic way. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, I think everything is is alchemization mm. um, if you if you desire it to be. Yeah. And that that's the thing. It's. Um, because I feel that for actors, especially all we're doing is we're mirrors, mm. we're, we're mirrors for an audience. Like, um, I think it was Julianne Moore that said, and, and I wholeheartedly agree is that we don't go to the movies to see movie stars. We go to the movies to see ourselves. We mm-hmm. go to the theater to see ourselves. Right. And the reason that I think some people we gravitate towards, whether they be writers or filmmakers or actors um is is because they've they've done something incredibly unique and rare which is they've built trust up with their audience mm-hmm. an audience can trust that like oh i can let my guard down 
for, you know, 90 minutes or two hours and immerse myself in this story. And, and at the end of those two hours come out changed, mm-hmm. even if it's in a small way, but change is change is change, no matter how incremental. Right. Um, now I wanted to ask you, uh, I think the question that because we get so many requests to have an actor on mm-hmm. uh, and the reason behind that, it, because most of our audience is not actors unless, the, you know, there's a few triple threats out there. But usually it's it's the, the writers or filmmakers yeah. as an actor who has read, I'm assuming, hundreds of scripts throughout the years, if not thousands, thousands of scripts throughout the years. What makes a script or specifically a role stand out for you? I mean, what are you looking for as an actor? Because, again, we were talking about this before we came on. I'm sure there are roles that you like I would kill for that. That's a great role. And then there's roles. It's like, okay, if I get it, it's a paycheck. But, you know, I'm going to do the best job I can. But it is it's not like that's why you are an actor. Right. What so what is it? Is it about the great roles uh, as an actor that stand out to you in the writing? I mean, I think that it's 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 not so black and white, mm-hmm. you know. I I think that it, it it's nuanced, you know, because a script that I might have loved five years ago, I'll Good read point. today and be like, yeah, it's a solid script, but it's not for me mm-hmm. because who I was five years ago isn't reflective of who I am now, mm-hmm. you know. So the things that I gravitate towards uh, continually change and evolve as I change and evolve. You know, and the thing for me that I consistently look for is A, does it inspire any feeling inside of me? And B, uh, does it challenge me? Mm-hmm. Does it, does it uh, provoke me? Does it uh, elicit fear? Like, what what is it? And what I've been finding more and more... <clears throat> And one of the reasons, and, and I think it's part of uh, the, the purpose as 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 to why I do what I do, is it is that a lot of the scripts that I've read, as of late, especially within the last ten years, there seems to be a lack of character development. Mm. Um, there seems to be a lack of emotional intelligence regarding, um, hold on one second. Hold on one second. If you're in the chat, uh, Heather just wandered off to close the door. I guess there's a gardener. But if you have questions for Heather, please feel free to drop them in the chat. We'll get to them uh, in just a few minutes. And we'll be back in just a second. Sorry. No problem. Um, sorry. We have a lot going, we have a lot going on here. Um, <laughs> as is LA mm. in development. Uh, in terms of, yeah, just we have uh, 
uh, developers are going to be tearing down not only the property that we're living in, but the next door property. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of chaos <laughs> happening right now. Um, but to get back to, you know, like, I, I, I feel that with social media and with the rise of technology, um, and, and really before, there's a desensitization that I feel is occurring and, and people don't really know how to sit in the silence. I feel for writers, it's incredibly important to sit in the silence mm -hmm. and to allow oneself to be feel safe enough to feel unsafe to journey into their own personal underworld mm -hmm. or a character's uh, personal underworld and and uh, stay with it until uh, they get to come out of the other side. Like writing sucks. Like writing is not fucking easy. Like it's not, and anyone who says it is, I, I challenge them and will say their script is probably not very good. Mm -hmm. um, like, and, and I say that because it takes a lot of courage to be honest with yourself. And it takes a lot of courage to suspend rational uh, belief in, in, in the space of when I'm writing, I have a character say something on page four and I'm like, what the fuck? But then it completely makes sense by page 13. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I, 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 there, my personal belief is, is that I, I at um, best am uh, just a transcriber mm -hmm. or these greater uh, stories that desire to be told through me. And it's up to me then to do the work to uh, hold the space for said story and said character. Right. Um, there's a sort of a, a, a writing, I don't want to call it a rule, but a, a test. And yeah. I wonder if as an actor, you have something similar and, and sort of the test being, if you can remove the name of a character uh -huh. and, and yet throughout the script, you can still tell what that character, who that character is, meaning mm. they're so unique in that, right? You can obviously in certain just random conversations may not be possible, but for the most yeah. part, if you remove character names, you can still tell who the major characters are and which uh -huh. ones they are. Then you've written uh -huh. a memorable character. Right. Mm -hmm. As an mm -hmm. actor, when you're looking at a script, are there any? And I know uh, you again, you had mentioned that it changes based on you and your growth as a as a person, uh, what you what attracts you to a specific script. Mm -hmm. But like mm -hmm. in a specific role, are there any sort of benchmarks or any sort of um, <clears throat> tests that you run? Maybe not in, in an analytical sense, but or anything you look for in a role saying that's something memorable that's something interesting that stands out that character has growth that character is again quirky or intuitive. something there it's intuitive it's intuitive. Mm -hmm. it's intuitive it's it's always intuitive i i don't come i come from an intellectual place um when it comes to plot holes mm. when it comes to um 
like apps like okay well why that the emotional arc doesn't work for this why are they all of a sudden crying that there hasn't been a build there's not enough tension there's not mm-hmm. it's it's missing that um but other than that like the the one that i just did the madagine family um the the character when i when i read the i i read the script and i thought the script was absolutely wonderful i didn't think i was right for the character at all Hmm. like at all i was like this is not me this is like and i was sitting outside and all of a sudden i her voice just came i was like oh okay now i now oh now i understand Mm -hmm. and and the truth is is that the writer if the writer is writing the blueprint for the actor, the emotional blueprint. And so if the writer doesn't know who and what these characters are and isn't able to have access to the the feelings behind it, I'm not going to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's why for me, like, I think writers without writers, you got nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, like people always talk about the director being like the first and foremost, like the director is the the conductor that's putting it all together. But, you know, the the uh, my the 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 composer is mm-hmm. the the writer and the 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 instrument is the actor. Now, we, we talked a little bit earlier about sometimes as an actor. And, and it's, I'm assuming it's every job in the industry. You, you'll take a project that you're not in love with just because it's a project. It's a paid, it's, it's a gig. That's your job, right? Um, yeah. How do you approach uh, a role in, mm-hmm. for a project that you, let's just be kind, that you're not in love with, right? It, it, you're taking it for a job as opposed to a passion project. How do you approach that and, and, how do you approach that role specifically? Well, first I make sure that I'm getting paid enough that mm-hmm. it warrants mm-hmm. me even saying yes. And B, you know, I, when I was younger, because again, it was a very different time. Mm-hmm. No. And I was surrounded by like the industry has changed so much. And you know, because I started so young, I, I had this purist mentality that really had to go through a couple of evolutions before I could get to the space of saying yes to a project that I didn't, I, I, I try to find as as many positive things and merits for things I say yes to, um, especially those things where it's like, oh my God, like, no, like I, I like I really don't want to, but like yeah, I need to say yes because yes, Heather, like you have bills to pay. Mm-hmm. Like United States, like hates artists, so it's not like <laughs> it can like, be subsidized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to elevate everyone else around me, you know, um, and and do my job and keep my head down and go home and be able to pay my rent because <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes that's really how it is mm-hmm. it's, it's that's how it is where you know i i had to learn that 
not everyone is going to appreciate the insights that I have, mm-hmm. you know, and it's that thing of like, okay, like I, this doesn't make any goddamn fucking sense, but I'm going to do it. And sometimes too, there's the, I had a situation where I had agreed to do a project and I agreed to do the project because the character was one way. Mm. I had already signed the contract and then I get there for the table read and the script is completely different and the character is completely different. And I then had to proceed to spend eight weeks literally physically pinching myself to keep from crying on set as wow. I utter fucking garbage mm-hmm. um and you know so it's as I've gotten older it's changed and I've become less precious but now there's like this nice middle balance where um I get to be a little more selective you know, like I just got offered something that other day and it was a one day shoot and it was for an indie project. And I was like, it, it, it doesn't speak, it, it doesn't speak to me and that's, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, um, and so, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. Hopefully it did. No, it did. But at the same time we had, I've had showrunners on and mm-hmm. I remember one of them mentioning to me about again, projects that you, you're not in love with, that you, you, yeah. you may not even like, and yeah. having to sometimes accept things that you don't, uh, that you don't really like because you need to keep working, right? And again, yes. you know, and it's part of the business. It's, it's your job. It's not just art. Although in an ideal world, it is mostly that, right? Yes. Um, and what he mentioned to me was, what he grasps on it too is finding the one thing because there's at least one thing in every project that you can find that you can love and say, this is what I'm going to hold on. This is my, you know, that straw, that, that one flame, that candle in the wind that I'm going to hold on to. Yes. And and, and you go with that. Is that something you do as well? Of course. And sometimes it has nothing to do with the project. Mm. Sometimes it's, Oh, I get to be close to a beach. Oh, you know? yeah. yeah, sure. Like, that, that's great. It's like, oh, I got like four days off and I can mm. travel to this place I've never been to. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm getting to work with this actor that I've never gotten a chance to work with, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and sometimes it's, oh, here's somebody on the crew that like I can see actually really cares and, and, and getting to, you know, develop a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. Yeah. No, that's great. That's that's exactly what we were talking about. Um, and before I, we jump more into sort of story, yeah. uh, I, I wanted to talk to you about uh, uh, something that I think affects actors as well as writers, creatives in general. Yeah. But I think m- more so actors and, and, and writers probably because you go out there for so many different things. Mm-hmm. And that's handling rejection because... Mm-hmm. As an actor, sometimes because I've worked in casting before, and sometimes yeah. it has, oftentimes it has zero to do with you as an actor. Mm-hmm. It has to do with the politics involved, mm-hmm. with who the studio wants, or the director's relationship with someone, or your look, or and they could bring in gr- actors, and you could find someone brilliant. But you know mm-hmm. what? They brought in actors to appease the studio, but the director wants somebody from day one. And you're just seeing these actors as a, you know, a perfunctory thing because the network want or the network or studio wants to see this number of actors. 
But you know those actors have zero chance when they walk in the door because the director wants somebody else. Or just based on, look, she's got brown hair. We want blonde hair. You know, well, why are we seeing them? Well, why not, right? Um, These types of things. Well, writers face the same thing, you know, going out rejection, rejection, rejection. Um, Mm. And having been in the industry as long as you have um, and gotten great roles, but also I'm sure not gotten some roles you wanted for whatever Mm. reason, Mm. um, how do you approach that? Are there certain things that you've kind of uh, developed, um, c- coping mechanisms or things that rationalization, you know, things that you can 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 go to at times? It's like, man, I really wanted that, and this didn't come through, or bad feedback. Like as as a, a writer, sometimes you'll get feedback that's terrible let's be honest right mm-hmm. it's not even like constructive feedback it's just for whatever they didn't understand the script they didn't get it it didn't make sense to them and it's going to happen right so mm-hmm. a, a, as an actor but also a storyteller mm-hmm. how do you how have you found it the best way to sort of help s- as a salve for some of those those wounds that you get as you know facing rejection i, I allow myself to feel my feelings mm-hmm which is the most important part, you know, because what you resist persists and what you look at disappears. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a great saying. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. And, and, and it's, I, I really, at the end of the day, I, I really do appreciate the phrase of rejection is just redirection. Mm. There is nothing that I haven't gotten that I ultimately I'll give you a perfect example. I was doing now and again for CBS. Mm-hmm. Len Gordon Karen, a showrunner, a creator. It's with uh, Margaret Collin. It's with Eric Close, Dennis Haysberg, uh, Garrett Graham. And it's my first series on a major network. And Len Gordon Karen and Les Moonves got into a pissing contest. And Len Gordon Karen let uh, the end of the of season one and on a cliffhanger hmm. just as I dare you not to pick, pick us up for season two and Moonbez called his bluff and <laughs> it's funny to think of because I remember being in high school it was like it was May um, it was May of 2000 I think mm-hmm. and like what the like what fucking sixteen year old is is like oh my god am I oh my god I just lost my job like right my job um and then cut to a month later I'm I'm doing a chemistry read uh, for Gary Marshall with Annie Hathaway mm. so if if now and again had continued I wouldn't have gotten a chance to work with Gary and to work with Julie and and. Annie and and develop lifelong relationships that mm-hmm. you know altered the course of my life. So I I really do try to take that viewpoint and in the moments that that doesn't come to me because this past year I I dealt with something that it was a life changing opportunity mm. that I didn't that I got I was literally packing my bags mm-hmm. supposed to be leaving the next day and then the studio reneged mm. and it was devastating 
devastating. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I drank <laughs> and I called friends mm -hmm. and they held space and I cried and I got angry and, and that was, that was it. Mm -hmm. That was it because mm -hmm. I like the, the biggest rejection, <laughs> like, I feel like to a certain degree, like my, my biggest rejection was my birth mom, you mm. know, <laughs> so, like everything after that, that, right? Any other rejection after that is going to pale in comparison. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh huh. Have you ever read uh, "Wave the Peaceful Warrior" by Dan Millman? I have not. That is a, a great book. I think it sort of lays out uh, a lot of great philosophies in life in terms of acceptance and things like that and it's told in you know they made it into a movie which i didn't see uh mm. but to me it's, it's a great read so i don't know if the film is good but the, it's a great read and there's things in it that quotes like uh let it, babies are emotional masters right they let it flow and let it go which i think we could all draw from um yeah. but then there's also this chinese proverb which i which i relay constantly uh, whenever something uh, bad happens to myself or someone else in that uh, it's and it's about um, uh, this ancient village in China. Right. And there's this farmer and his son. And uh, oh, they, is this going to be about the war and the horror? Yes. Maybe, right. Maybe not. Right. Exactly. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Is it good luck? Bad luck? Who knows? Right. Who knows? Exactly. We're going to have to continue to, the journey to find out. Right. And you're a firsthand example with, you know, Princess Diaries and now and again. Right. So um, I think it, it, in the moment, it can be difficult to accept disappointments and, and, and you know, things like that. But when you look back on it, you know, it. it, it Sometimes it, it works out in a different way. Things sort of have exactly. a way of working out the way they're supposed and, to. And that's a thing where it's like you you end up becoming like if you're able to be present enough mm -hmm. and awake enough and aware enough, you start to develop these tools that allow you um, to become like a child, mm -hmm. to in 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 terms of that letting go um and and i i'm more curious now than i've ever been in terms of where my life and my journey is going to take me mm -hmm. you know it's that thing of um i mean i i feel like i'm just like throwing out like a bunch of cheesy quotes and shit but like you know like for real like the the dream that I had as like a teenager for where my life was going to be and who I was going to be as an actor is a world away from the the dreams and I ideas and and uh, uh, visions mm. I, I I have today, you know, like right. drastically drastically different, you know, and and I feel that's partially just in terms of age hmm. and getting to see uh, certain realities about the world that we live in, you know, like late stage capitalism is a hell of a drug. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, 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 I trust, I trust myself mm -hmm. and, and I trust uh, 
whatever the fuck you want to call it universe higher mm -hmm. self goddess collective unconscious like collective like whatever the fuck right but that like um obviously there's more that i'm meant to do because i'm still here mm -hmm. and so let me stay open to where the universe desires for me to go and and being in a space where sometimes it's like a gut nope like i've started mm -hmm. implementing if it's a not a hell yeah it's a hell no right mm -hmm. and i there you know as creatives it, life is always a struggle right mm -hmm. and i would assume that even you know the steven spielberg's and uh uh you know, David E. Kelly's of the world have their own strife, have their own conflicts, have their own issues. Obviously, you know, there, there's a, a spectrum there, but I think that uh, it's it's funny because like, I always go back to, did you, I'm sure you've seen Swingers, right? That uh, the film Swingers. And uh, there's that scene with uh, uh, John Favreau and I think Ron Livingston. Mm -hmm. And and Ron Livingston and, and they're they're golfing or something and uh, Ron uh, John uh, Favreau is getting down on himself because he, his career hasn't gone where the way he wanted it to go mm -hmm. and Ron mm -hmm. Livingston's like man I came out here because of you you have an agent you have you know and basically yeah. uh, uh, John Favreau's looking at his career as complete and abject failure and Ron yeah. Livingston's like I would kill to have your your acting yeah. career grass is always greener right and. To, to illustrate that, we've had on a number of either showrunners or upper-level writers, co-EPs, and they're never satisfied. It's like, man, I had the show and it didn't get picked up. Or, you know, mm -hmm. we were so close to the network greenlighting and it didn't get picked up. I feel like a failure. Co-EPs who haven't gotten that bump yet to showrunner. And they're like, what does it take? Uh, you know, I, I've been hustling for so long. Mm -hmm. And, you know, looking at your career, you've... He's a long list of things. And I'm sure when you're in it, it's like, I didn't get this role I wanted. I didn't do this and this and this. But there are millions of actors out there who murder, literally murder someone to have the career you have. So I'm not saying that you're not justified in, 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 in your, you know, reaction to your career. But, you know, as a little perspective, I mean, there's millions well, of yeah, actors who would no, kill, sure. right? Yeah. It's... Sure. Well, here's, here's the thing too, though, right? Because it, it goes to that, I, I'm not a big fan of that minimalization. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a form of gaslighting in the space of, you know, like they're starving people. Sure, yeah, yeah. Whatever the fuck, you right. know what I mean? Where right. it's like, yeah, and, but mm -hmm. I'm still allowed to have the feelings that I'm having. Right. You know, mm -hmm. um, and, and my experience is my experience. Mm -hmm. Because uh, again, it's, I think we look at things in not only a linear fashion, but in an up and down fashion mm -hmm. where I've, my vantage point is this way. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's really this way. And it's like, <clears throat> I think everybody were quite a few people you know, we have that inner 15 year old or that inner 20 year old, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, that ends up to a certain degree, like turning into a version of like an inner asshole where <laughs> like, well, why aren't you doing this? Mm. Da -da -da, da -da 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 -da. 
And what I've learned for me is, is that there, holding space mm -hmm. for all of the aspects of self, um, whose dreams, whose dreams didn't materialize in the way that they wanted or thought mm -hmm. and getting to bring it back truly to the present moment because every thought it's every moment is literally now and i'm mm -hmm. not not from like a woo-woo space but just a scientific space and so what i've gotten to see is that a lot of my growth personally and mentally and spiritually uh, reflects the growth that I've gotten to have professionally mm -hmm. and getting to separate. And there's nothing wrong with having an ego. There's nothing wrong with sure. having We all have one, right? The ego. Um, but learning to take the claws out and hold space for whatever grief it is that that manifests. Mm -hmm. And for me, I love asking questions. So it's, why are you really upset? Like, what's the, like, why, why, what, what is this? Like, you didn't, mm -hmm. it, it, like, uh, this wasn't on your radar yesterday, but it's on your radar today. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between yesterday and today, right? And it's like, well, I didn't know I wanted it until it was presented to me, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but like being a human being isn't really fucking easy. Like it's not easy because uh, I also go to the thing of like, it's one of the reasons I love Westworld so much. It's that idea of, well, what is consciousness and what is my mm. consciousness and how many of my and how many of the thoughts that I have going on in my mind in any given moment are truly mine. Mm. And that's where for me it's important to go back into the silence because what I found is that my my inner spider has been connecting these threads and webs together mm -hmm. that have now given me a lot of material to be of service not only to my work as a writer but to be of service to other writers works and that's an area that i want to explore a little bit and talk about mm -hmm. but we do have a few questions that i just want to get to from the audience here um so let's see here. Uh, well, Glenn Toussaint said he did see uh, the Way of the Peaceful Warrior movies, and it was not good. Okay, so I guess you can skip that. But if you want to read the book, I think it's a pretty good book. Um, Rodney92 says, uh, do you know actors around you who have reached a breaking point and had to quit? What did they do wrong? I don't think – I listen, just because you quit something doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. Hmm. It just means that you don't have the passion for it anymore. Mm -hmm. You don't, it's not worth it to you, you know, and, and, and that's okay. 
like that's okay. Like it's okay to have multiple careers. It's okay to have multiple iterations of careers. Mm -hmm. Like the the thing for us actors, it's 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 getting to live your fucking life. And same goes for writers. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you have nothing to write about. You have nothing to. We're, we're we are reflections of 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 humanity of 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 the messy experience of being human mm -hmm. learn that through being alive right through living your life and experiencing all the feelings there's no good or bad those are judgment words mm -hmm. you know like electricity and money are neutral how you utilize them they can they can be a healing balm or a weapon mm -hmm. and it's interesting too how um oftentimes when someone has had some success in a specific career and then they walk away from that for whatever reason yeah. uh they're looked at as like oh they have failed at something when you know they're like especially actors or musicians or athletes right when you walk away it's like oh well you couldn't cut it anymore because i dream of doing that and you walked away from it so and then I think, and i think you know. that that's more of a reflection of them hmm. and yep. that's something that they need to look at in terms of like well what is it hitting within me mm -hmm. like because if you really feel a certain way about something you know like what is your obsession mm -hmm. there are things that i am obsessed about that guide my life um that whether or not i'm getting paid for it doesn't right. matter to me you know so you also have to look at the intention and you have to look at it's again it's 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 not black and white and i i think that it's so ridiculous that we shame people for making decisions that are going to be best for them mm -hmm. you know where it's like or a decision what? they wouldn't make in your yeah, position they like, think they wouldn't make in your position yeah, where right. it's like what the fuck difference does it mm -hmm. make right. fine no one's saying that you can't do it right you no know? but it's really easy mm -hmm. to like sit on the sidelines like you know shooting shooting down other people you know that are actually to, i mean to quote Brene brown in the actual arena of life mm hmm you know, like, yeah. who cares? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Reds09 says, this is a very interesting conversation. If I ever become a big time writer director, you'll get a call for every part, Heather. So there you go. <laughs> That's very awesome. sweet and kind. Thank you. Um, let's see here. Neil Schneider. Uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse is my gold standard for teenage coming of age dark comedy with so much truth. How do you feel about all the film shows to walk in your footsteps? good on them you know like um that's the there's always gonna influence is always going to be a part of the zeitgeist mm -hmm. you know of creation i mean i i'm fascinated by the idea of what was the first story ever 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 told you know like it, it goes mm. to the evolution of language evolution of story the evolution of how we see ourselves you know, um, and so it's 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 always great, you know, when someone sees something or or a segment of filmmakers or writers see something and they're like, oh, now I have permission. Now I oh great oh now I can do this. Great, right. I can tell my story. I can share my story. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and that old saying is there are no original stories, right? It's all just different versions of the same stories. But Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did want to talk about storytelling because yeah. I know that you've done writing as well. And mm-hmm. I know that you've helped a lot of writers in terms of story development, in terms of script work and things like that. Yeah. So uh, maybe we can just sort of start in, in the sense of when you get a script from a writer, what are some of the things that you find more often that can be problematic? You know, things that you'll find in, in some writer script, in many writer scripts that you've read that have been submitted to you saying, hey, I'm looking for feedback. I'm looking to improve character my script. Character development, character development, character development, mm-hmm. character development, character development, character development. Mm-hmm. You can have a really great idea, but <clears throat> in the character development, it's it, it, it sounds like a vague thing, but it, it affects everything. You know, like, why is this character saying this? Mm-hmm. Why is this character making the decision that they're making? How does that play with what they had just done and and what they're going to do after? Mm-hmm. Um, and people are mo- motivated to do things for all different reasons. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that something has happened again in the last 10 years or so where anybody thinks that they can, just because you've written a script, which again is commendable, doesn't mean it's good. Mm-hmm. Just because you have a beginning, middle, or an end, it's how am I going to be able to get to the end if there's potholes that are the size of Grand Canyon craters? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, again, it's, unless you are feeling uncomfortable when you're writing, unless your characters are overwhelming you in moments, you haven't really uh, gotten to the meat and potatoes of what it could be. Mm-hmm. And And there are some writers that, man, you just read a script and you're like, oh, this is amazing. They know the story. They know these characters. They are not afraid to be messy. They are not afraid um, to go to those spaces and and you feel it. We're feeling beings. So if a writer isn't feeling it, how the fuck am I how the fuck am I gonna feel it? Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest thing that I I work on. And I I ask questions, you know, like, who are they? What, like, how are they raised? What is their socioeconomic environment? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, were they raised religious? You know, like, if, do they have siblings? If they have siblings, who is the favorite sibling? You know, like, um, if they have a quirk, what was the origin of the quirk? And that doesn't mean that it necessarily needs to be in the script. But what it does is it allows to have uh, an emotional blueprint and Bible, as it were, to get clearer into, well, what might this character do in this situation? Mm-hmm. You know, well, like, because they hate spiders and they walk into a restaurant and the only available table is a table with a spider. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
we don't have to go into a whole thing with that, but you can have a moment of them sitting in the booth and they really want to impress this job recruiter or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, but they're still feeling a little like whatever the fuck it is, you know, um, it, it, it can be so small and so minute and just like a small change needs to be made. Or sometimes it's a massive overhaul again, like, uh, every single script is different and, and, and just to put a final point on it, that the biggest thing that I see consistently is, is lack of uh, emotional development within characters. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that is really the heart of the matter. And I think that that's what makes actor feedback so valuable for writers. Cause it really, it, in my perspective, generally speaking, coming from two different perspectives. And I think that like when you find an actor who doesn't have much experience with writing or directing, mm -hmm. stepping into those roles for the first time, when you talk about plot holes, mm -hmm. they seem to be less concerned about the story structure as they are about character development, about character story arcs and things like that. Whereas writers who have, who are more they're less experienced they haven't written as much and may have not had the performance aspect are much more about the story structure but you don't care about the characters because they're not well developed right they're just pawns in this big yeah. overarching story so you don't care about the characters as much exactly. there's no development and that there. is the story mm -hmm. the characters drive the story <laughs> right and the story can drive the characters but the story has to be uh, but it also goes to that question of like well what is story mm-hmm no, it, 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 it's, I think of like the Cullen brothers, you know, and, and I think of like these everyday people that end up that, that aren't necessarily really evil, aren't necessarily saints and they're somewhere mm -hmm. in between and they make decisions based off an outside force mm -hmm. that comes into their, and then how are they going to respond mm -hmm. to that? Well, they're going to respond to that based on how they've been raised, who they are, where they are in a moment, like how big is the fear that's shrouding them? How big is the faith? Like, and and um, their environment is going to influence them as much as they're going to influence the environment. It's the mm -hmm. chicken and the egg. You right. can't have one without the other. You know, like uh, if you, and, and I feel that like, um, when you have very strong characters, you end up having a very strong story structure. Mm -hmm. And th that again goes to another, uh, another sort of uh, story rule. I don't even want to call it a rule, but one of these insights where no good villain mean good, meaning well-written villain believes that they're a villain. Mm -hmm. Right. They're they have their own motivations and, and reasons for doing what they do. It's not I'm going to be evil. Right. Any great villain in stories is not thinking I'm a bad person. And that's the whole my whole reason for existence. They have a mission, a goal and, and a, a story that comes with that. Right. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and opposition <clears throat> to said goal. Sure. Absolutely. Who's going to win and who's going to mm -hmm. like whatever and whose uh, motivation is stronger and who mm -hmm. like who's got luck on their side and right. like, you know, and then you fill the pot with all the different things. Mm -hmm. And I, one thing that I think actors do a great job of that I think 
could writers could benefit from and i wanted to get your take on it specifically how much should be done and and the best way to go about it is backstory like you were talking earlier about backstory and how an actor approaches a character bringing in things that aren't written on the page per se to develop a full-fledged because you have to know where a character is coming from in order to develop realistic and believable responses to you know, whatever situation or dialogue or whatever. Whereas for a lot of newer writers, especially, it's just a plug and play. You know, an actor says this and they do this. Well, why? Right. Exactly. You know, exactly. So as an actor, what sort of development and backstory research do you do? And and what do you recommend for those writers who come to you and say, hey, I need help with this. My characters aren't, you know, speaking to realistically or they're not believable enough or they're not unique. well, I would say this. I would say mm-hmm. it's it's um, if you want your characters to speak to you, then you got to fucking listen. Mm. Sit in the silence. Mm-hmm. I I will take a notebook with my characters, and if there's I'm in the middle of writing something right now that um, oh is 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 quite daunting, um, and and sometimes I have to take a step away, but. A, a lot of, I mean, do I have it here? I don't know if I actually do. Oh yeah, I do. I, I can, I can show you. So all of these pages, mm-hmm. all of these pages are, um, what do you call it? Uh, it's just writing that I, I've done intuitively. I ask the characters questions. Mm. What do, you, what do you need to say to me right now? Hmm. It's a dialogue. Mm-hmm. And because again, I don't think, you know, people have talked about the muses for millennia, right? And, 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 and how do we, the, the, the stratosphere and how do we, whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't think writing is necessarily an intellectual exercise. I think it is a marriage between, uh, 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 the practical and the mystical. Like it really, really is. Mm-hmm. When, when I'm stuck, I, I, I ask questions. I, I write them down and I let, I, I don't think, I just let them answer me, even if it doesn't make sense. And sometimes they go on a fucking monologue and I just write down the fucking monologue. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I've got two pages worth of dialogue that I, I didn't have before. Mm-hmm. All because I was willing to sit with them I was willing to know them. I was willing to offer myself to them and space uh, to hold uh, their story. Mm-hmm. It's not my story. It's their story. And I am just the transcriber. Right. You know? I'm, I'm the court reporter for story. You know, um, and in those moments, and sometimes you got to step away. Mm-hmm. You got to step away. Sometimes I'd set some boundaries, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and also a uh, dream time is very helpful. Mm. You know, um, I've, I've, I, I've become a proponent of lucid dreaming mm. um, in, in terms of the conscious unconscious and, and what is the truth of what I'm writing and Ooh, some of those dreams, it's, they're, uh, they're more often weird, strange nightmares but I, I always come back with, oh, that was the thing. Mm-hmm. 
that, oh, okay. Oh shit. That makes sense. You know, and I get a lot of my stuff also in the shower. Like half of my write, I would actually say 90% of my writing is here. And then I bring it all here mm -hmm. and get it out. Right. And that goes to, that brings up a great point in terms of like a lot of writers, mm -hmm. they, they get in their own way, right? They're so focused on sort of that mission objective that they don't take time to breathe and let things kind of grow. Sometimes the best thing to do is nothing, right? To exactly. sort of let it come. And that doesn't mean, and the idea of doing nothing mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're doing nothing. Right, right, sure. You're doing something in a in a different way. Right, it means you're not trying to force something through the door yeah. that doesn't necessarily want to go through that door at that moment in time, right? Exactly, yeah. because I think that you have to be respectful of your characters. Mm -hmm. You have to, you're not going to respect them. And, and you're not going to give them space and give yourself space. Mm -hmm. Then it's... <clears throat> Then I would ask, why the fuck are you writing at all? Mm -hmm. Like, what is, the, what is the fear that's motivating you? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, um, it, it, it's like creative hemorrhoids. <laughs> you know, like, stop pushing. Mm -hmm. Like, stop pushing. Right. Just, if you're feeling a little constipated, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's. And sometimes we have like a really, I, I, I'm a big idea person and, and half the time I talk myself out of my ideas. Cause I'm like, well, wait, then yeah, there's that plot hole there and like mm -hmm. whatever, and blah, blah, blah. And like, that actually, no, nah, nah. you know, um, but there are a few projects that, and it always starts with like a, it, it always starts with a vision. Hmm. It always starts with a, it's, it's, it's visual and it's auditory. But it, the vision always comes first, and it's always a setting. And then I see the character, and then I, I feel them, and 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 I, if it's I, hearing the echoes of footsteps or whatever, it's it's like, and I'll, I'll see it in a two shot, or I'll see it in a wide, and 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 it just comes, and mm -hmm. and that then is the seed, and then it. Oh, I'm 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 curious about this. You know, it's it's like uh, I feel like characters and, and story introduce themselves to me, and then it's up to me as to whether or not I want to uh, engage in 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 the process of it becoming whatever it's meant to become. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's like you know, and I, I've 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 had this myself where I'm like, oh my god, this would make a great movie idea, and then I'm like, wait, this might actually be better as a series, mm -hmm. and then and then. You know, it's it, it 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 becomes its own thing. So like, I don't fucking know. You know, there's like, like I don't fucking know. We're 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 wobbling in in the middle of fucking space right now, on like a fucking globe. You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> what is the old saying? Nobody knows anything, right? Yeah, and even then, <clears throat> we don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see here. Uh, Rodney 92 says, I'm going, I'm going to go back and listen to this again. Your advice is that good. Well, good. Uh, thanks Rodney. Glenn to saying getting way more out of this than I was expecting. Um, and then he adds, I've been told writers should take acting lessons to improve their writing. Do you agree? 
absolutely a hundred percent and also i think that act that writers can improve their writing by um getting out of their introvertive shell i find weed is helpful for that and um getting curious and asking questions and engaging mm-hmm. in conversation yeah that's huge that right? that is huge because mm-hmm. then that's that sparks ideas and it sparks like oh wow and then we notice things you know where it's mm-hmm. like oh that like they have like that weird tick and i i notice that they keep doing that wow that actually why do they get so nervous oh my character actually that's actually really great oh and then they can if they keep on flicking the finger and whatever and blah 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 like mm-hmm. it, it we've got a cornucopia of 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 uh uh what is the word that i'm looking for a material mm. that we can draw from just by uh being alive mm-hmm. and and being present and and leaving our house, which I know is is scary on on multiple levels, especially now. Right. Um. And uh, yeah, and and I would also say that uh, psychedelics uh, with the very appropriate set and setting can also be helpful. Hmm. Um, but one thing you did mention that I think uh, is something that a lot of writers that have trouble with their characters. So like, how do I write great dialogue or how do I make my characters believable or unique or whatever is that it's not your story. It's their story, which I think because we are human beings and we have an ego and we have a perspective that tends to drive all the stories we tell. And that, but again, that limits what the, the believability of these characters that inhabit this world is because they all have their own individual motivations and backstories and all this and that. So just by saying it's not your story, it's their story, I think is, is huge. Yeah. And, 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 and with that too, you know, like, again, people go to movies to see themselves. True. So even though I can't identify with like, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, a black kid from Philly that mm-hmm. ends up, you know, going to Mars with their dad. What I can identify with is the feeling of fear. Mm-hmm. I can identify with the feeling of loneliness. Mm-hmm. I identify with the feeling of terror. Mm-hmm. I can identify with uh, the feeling of, of of loss. That's 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 the juice. That's mm-hmm. that's the potatoes. You know, we're, we're uh, storytelling allows us to come home back home to ourselves mm-hmm. and, and, and teach us something new about ourselves mm-hmm. and, and allows us, uh, inspires us to make that phone call after two hours in a theater or inspires us, you know, to quit our job and, and do something new. Mm-hmm. So, like that's the power that we have as storytellers and and with that said should be uh utilized wisely mm-hmm. and what you're talking about i think goes towards another thing that a lot of writers have an issue and a lot of newer writers i should say have an issue with which is finding their voice right because mm-hmm. and, and you had mentioned uh we, we go to see movies and television um, and we sort of resonate with with those characters or those stories that resonate with us. But it's mm-hmm. not just a specific 
perspective. It can be those other things. It's not just, oh, well, this story is about a black family. Well, I didn't grow up in a black family, so I'm not going to. It's not going to interest me. But there's so many other elements to that, whether it's issues of 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 racism or abandonment or re- issues of of uh, you know whatever it happens to be, there are those universal issues that that connect us all together and connect people together. That and and how you find your voice is finding what it is about yourself. Yes, that you can put out there, not just well, I am this you know white person who grew up in a sub no there's more to you than than your demographic right exactly and that goes back to that i that goes back to the writer feeling safe enough to feel unsafe to journey into the underworld Mm -hmm. of their beingness Mm -hmm. i'm capable of murder i know this Mm -hmm. you know would i actually ever commit a murder no but am i willing to sit in that space to ask myself Mm -hmm. those philosophical questions because that's also what scripts do they ask questions they they invite discourse Mm -hmm. they they invite contemplation they they invite challenge you know um and lead to discussion Mm -hmm. great films do you know so it's that it's the willingness uh, to go into those proverbial underbellies mm-hmm. and and to be able to find that balance to um, identify enough because you are an empathetic human being mm-hmm. while also being objective enough to know that um, this isn't a full reflection of who you are, mm-hmm. but it most certainly is an aspect, you know, I, I have just as much darkness inside of me as anyone else does, you know, mm-hmm. and and within that, too, it's like what I choose to feed and how I choose to feed it. Mm-hmm. And that gets to be the continual journey, you know, like, I, I mean, Frodo had to fucking go through this shit, right. like the fucking Hobbit from the fucking Shire. Right. You know, like if Frodo has to. Like and, and Frodo's one of the greatest beings ever. You know, so every single character uh, that we write is um, is at home within us mm-hmm. in some certain way, and 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 the practice of bravery is 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 uh, mm-hmm. letting them come forth while also getting to set a very mm-hmm. firm boundary of okay, don't overtake me. Right. <laughs> And, and that's why you have to walk away sometimes. Right. No, absolutely. Um, Glenn Toussaint says, Kevin, more actors, please. Yes, no, I know. These, they have wonderful insights. And I think that um, part of that, again, and I wanted to ask you, as an actor mm-hmm. and as a writer, but as an actor specifically, being able to tap into that sort of inner vulnerability and, and, and look at yourself mm-hmm. from an outside perspective and... Mm-hmm. I don't want to say evaluate yourself, but really sort of see what makes yourself tick so that you can recreate it for a character or what mm-hmm. have you. Um, what are some of the things that, and you had mentioned a few before, but are there like other practical things that you or tricks or, you know, tips you have for those writers out there to be able to do that in a safe and and, and um, manageable way to explore their own 
story because it can be challenging to look at yourself in that way you know to peel back those layers it can be scary and challenging therapy therapy (laughs) (laughs) therapy Uh uh-huh um i i like yes therapy um yeah because because again like i said earlier where it's like money and electricity are neutral Mm -hmm. it's 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 you know, there are people that are going to take anything to the extreme, you mm-hmm. know, or everything to the extreme. So it's also, it's a journey of getting to know who who you are as well and getting to play that edge. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I spent like a few months writing what I'm writing now. And I, every time I wrote, I, I got drunk. I, I needed to get drunk in order to I'm I, I'm essentially uh, writing a a play mm-hmm. that is loosely based upon the experience of meeting my birth mom, mm. and I didn't know my birth mom well, but I I I had this ritual that I I I have this ritual that I I, I do when I'm writing, and particularly for that I. I, I have this photo of her and I. It's the only photo that I have of her and I from our, our brief meeting. And I I had to sit and grapple with this this character that I'm writing that is loosely based off this woman that had six kids, all of whom were taken from her at varying stages of her life and placed into foster care. Wow. Uh, who was abusive and who was violent and who drank. Hmm. And, you know, when I set out to start writing this, I started, I set out to start writing this over a decade ago. And it took me a decade to get to the space where I felt safe enough Mm -hmm. to start peeling back those layers because I had had enough uh, perspective and time to be able to write a story that wasn't uh, an attack mm-hmm. of this woman and wasn't just an excuse to be a bully pulpit and 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 not have her have any depth mm-hmm. you know and so I got drunk a lot and um, I needed to do that in order to be able to access the darkness that, this protagonist had within her Mm -hmm. i had some really trippy experiences and then i i had to step away from it because it got a little bit overwhelming and i was getting stuck at the top of the act two Mm -hmm. and um and i was being very stubborn about it but what i got to see through the practices of writing uh and asking questions and and really just and also therapy um getting to see that I was trying to write a hopeful ending where mm. no hopeful ending was to be had. Right. And that was a heartbreak that I had to sit with in order to really be of service mm. to uh, this character of Margot and um, let my heart break for her, mm. which allowed me then to have empathy for my birth mom Mm. which allowed me to have um empathy for this situation that these characters are finding themselves in Mm -hmm. you know so it's 
it's it's work it's work it's not for everybody like it's not for everybody and that's okay mm-hmm. like i love tennis but i'm not gonna be fucking serena williams i don't want to that's not my jam mm-hmm. i i don't i hate exercise you know um but writing i i i, I dislike it immensely mm-hmm. but i can't not do it because mm-hmm. it's bigger than don't know who said it. I'm. I, it feels like I don't know, Edgar Allan Poe, some famous writer, said something uh, that I, I like to relay is, writing isn't hard. You just cut open a vein and bleed, <laughs> right? Yeah, pretty and, much. And that's and that's what it is. It's exposing. You know, the the best writing is really exposing yourself, putting yourself mm-hmm. out there. You know, yeah. in a different format, right? So. Um, so that's well that but that's amazing but it's right similar but it's similar it's, it is and, and that's the thing is that is that writers and writers and actors i think often get the short end of the stick mm-hmm. you know writers being at the bottom and like again we have this whole fantasy about this hierarchy of like what a movie set is and blah mm-hmm. blah blah and responsibilities and whatever but again if the writer has done their job they have created an emotional blueprint for the story and it is our job to bring that to life. Mm-hmm. And that's what can make my job as an actor very easy or very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I prefer it to be easy. <laughs> so I can be present so we can then really right. fucking go and really explore right. and, and all of us be surprised. There's no better fucking feeling in the world, writing or acting. Mm-hmm. When you're so present, that that magic happens, mm-hmm. that moment happens, and the same thing happens with with writing, where it's like, I don't understand why the characters, what the fuck, where where are you leading me? Where are you leading me? And then you're like, oh my god, Eureka, that's mm-hmm. amazing! Holy fucking shit! And I can't take full credit for that. I can't say that it came from my fucking mind and my fucking brain. It's 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 at best again. I did my job and kept my channel clear and kept my channel fucking open and kept my mind fucking open and quiet enough to be able to hear mm-hmm. what it is. And not just hear with the physical ear, mm-hmm. but hear. Mm-hmm. Hear. Feel. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a partnership, right? A great writer with a great script and a great actor coming together and the the sort of blueprint is there, but at the same time, it's seen through the prism of this actor, right? And what they bring to the table, their experiences. I don't agree with that. No? No. Okay. No, I'd, I'd love to hear. You're, you're the actor. You're the expert here, so. Again, mm-hmm. if the character is there, mm-hmm. the emotions are immediately available. Mm-hmm. Because I don't need to question why they're upset. Right. I know why they're upset. Mm-hmm. I would be upset fucking too. Oh, I like it, it either makes it either makes sense or it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It, for me it's that simple. Right. But you are you're, you're still drawing from your own personal experiences, right? And and that's no. what's shown on screen. No. 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 Oh. no. I'm I'm drawing from the present moment. I'm I'm drawing from the weight of the script. I'm drawing from the weight of the characters i'm i'm like uh, when i was doing like let's say like 
devil's advocate, for mm-hmm. example, I didn't get molested by a fucking school teacher. You know, I didn't, but Barbara did. So who's Barbara? Mm-hmm. Who is she? And then I, 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 I get those answers. I, I do my job. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. That's really great to hear in terms of as a writer, that means you're not necessarily tied to finding an actor that has similar experiences in that sense, but you're trusting the actor to to bring that character to life, assuming that's you've crafted a great character. Sure. That's what act that's exact that's what acting is. It's 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 like that's what acting is. It's not fucking trauma therapy. For some actors, isn't it though? Well, I mean, listen, like if, if, I mean, listen, like I have no desire, I I have no need Mm. to prove myself. No, no, no. As an actor that I need to send dead rats to my castmates to show you how seriously I'm taking this role. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I think it's self-indulgent and I think it's bullshit. And I think that you, you, I... You show me one fucking female actor that talks about being method, that talks about like, mm. d- like you don't hear about it. I think it's just an excuse for bad behavior mm. and poor behavior and self be right, yeah. Hmm. Because if I can't separate my, then you're going down like, and and trust me, there have been some roles where it's like I'm emotionally exhausted at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's something else that I think that people need to recognize is that. And there's a difference, I think, between an actor and a personality. There are a lot of personalities sure. on TV and are on film, but they're not actors. Yeah, no, that's 100 percent true. And and so when I'm showing up, I'm I'm ready to bear all that I I, I need to to bear. Mm-hmm. That's my fucking job but i also am very aware of my boundaries and not like when i come home i come home mm-hmm. i like i'm myself like i'm not i'm not indulging in this behavior of like you need to call me ryan for the next four months right you know, like i do this fucking thing like mm-hmm. give me a fucking break mm-hmm. I didn't realize how passionate I felt about this until we were talking. No, that's great, though. That that shows how serious you are about the craft of not just acting, but storytelling. And, you know, I think that's that's what we want, because I think that's what the the best writers, the best performers uh, are. They're passionate about it. They're not personalities, right? Because there are those out there. And, then you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to denigrate them per se. Um, but the truly passionate are the ones who who make work that, that stands out that stand, you know, that, that really is truthful. Right. Um, so I I promised I would have you out by 1145. It's 1135, but I wanted to give you the the, sort of the last word on, um, if you have sort of advice out there for, or words of encouragement for those writers out there who again are, you know, from your experience in, in the industry, what would you say to them out there? Um, or offer them encouragement, words of advice, whatever it happens to be. Keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. Um, like, 
if if you're someone that that really tries to numb or hide your feelings mm-hmm. um, try to do that less um and instead of looking at it as like mount everest or this impossible thing to climb just step by step moment by moment day by day and it takes as long as it takes mm-hmm. um you know uh, and and really i think most importantly is um compare and despair is is one of the uh biggest stumbling blocks uh to really getting to create because uh no one has your voice and no one has your perspective like you have your voice and you have your perspective and it might take a second to figure out what your voice is and who your voice is because there are so many voices that can clamor you know um And yeah, and just do it because you can't not do it. Mm-hmm. Like, because really, that's the do it because you can't not do it. Mm-hmm. If you can do anything else, do it. But if you can't not, and and you and you've got to write, even though you hate it, you've got to just keep going. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. Heather, I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. I know you just flew back from New York from yeah. a job. Um, and uh, so uh, we could have continued on and on and on. So hopefully maybe at some point you'll be able to come back and, and I would love chat that. more with us because it's been fantastic. There's so many great comments and um, people enjoying to be Johnny Guitar. This was very enjoying to be a part of. Well, we enjoy having you, Johnny. Um, so if you could just stick around for one second, uh, Heather, and I'm going to wrap us up. Thank you guys all for joining us, and we will see you next time.